Hello, and welcome to this podcast of Sunday Sermons from Concord United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll find this message to be meaningful, insightful, and a refreshing part of your daily walk with God. Please feel free to share this podcast with family, friends, or anyone else who might benefit from it. This podcast is part of the digital ministries of Concord United, and we are grateful that you have chosen to experience worship and God's Word with us. For more information about Concord United and its ministries, please visit our website at concordunited.org. It's wonderful to have the chance to share with you today as we continue our August message series on why worry and how we can find joy and peace in a life full of problems. As we've been journeying through this month, we began by looking at just Jesus' teachings about worry in general and how he directs us to find peace in our trust in God to provide for us. And then for the last several weeks, we're going through and we're looking at very specific things sometimes we worry about. Last week, we talked about how we worry about time and that we won't have enough time. And if you missed that, and that's something you'd like to look into, you can find that message on our YouTube channel. Today, we're talking about money. Next week, we're talking about relationships. And one of the ways that these teachings can help you find peace is not just to hear them on Sunday mornings, but to be digging into the scriptures for yourselves each day that's so important in our faith and so you can find a way to do that that goes right along with these messages through our bible reading plan it's at concordunited.org bible or you can pick up the plan for the month of august at our information center uh, just right out in the lobby today we're looking at what jesus taught us about money and how often we worry about money and i want to i want to start by simply saying this sometimes as soon as we bring up the word money we tense up And we can have these negative emotions uh, and reactions within our body. Uh, Sometimes we feel guilty uh, because of something we've been taught about money or scared because we're scared somebody's going to judge us. They're going to think we spend too much or they're going to think we're cheap and we spend too little or that we haven't been, been faithful with our money. Some of us were brought up in families that talked about money all the time. Some of us were brought up in families that didn't talk about money much at all. Some of us were brought up in families where having a lot of money seemed like the greatest thing you could do with your life. Some of us were brought up in families where having a lot of money uh, was, wasn't really something that was, was emphasized. So just that guilt, that worry, just let, set, set that aside. We're just going to set that aside because I want you to know, I, I'm so thankful for what Jesus teaches us about money. I'm so thankful that in God's infinite wisdom, God waited to become human and dwell among us until our society had developed to the point that we developed monetary exchanges and started using cash money. Now, now some of us were like, Jesus, can you come back and explain this online financing to us? But he had cash in his day and it was the primary way their society worked. They still bartered and traded a little bit, but I'm so thankful that God gave that gift to us. Because I think God created everything that there is. In fact, that's one of my most deeply held beliefs. And I think God always intended for us humans to eventually create money and a monetary system. And God intended that to provide for us and that we might be blessed by that. But just like any blessing, if we're not sure how to use it, it can also become a curse. So uh, I, I want you to think for just a moment in your head I want you to just ask yourself a question. What would financial freedom look like for you? 
What would it look like for you to not walk around with guilt, not walk around with anxiety about money? What would it look like for you to have the confidence that your money is going where your highest priorities and your highest values are, where the deepest passions of, of your heart are, and to, to not have to worry about, will, will I have enough for tomorrow? What would that look like for you? And for all of us, that's going to look a little different. We, we all have things that like we really wanted, you know, I've got a friend and man, he's a car guy. Well, well, he's just a vehicle guy. He likes trucks too. And like, if he doesn't get a new vehicle every like three, four years, I'm like, you okay? You doing all right, buddy? I know a good counselor. Uh, I'll get you plugged in. For for me, you know, I'm I'm not that way. The last time I switched cars, it was because uh, the sun hit my eyes while I was driving my car and I hit a curb. And because my car was so old that they said that curb totaled it. And... (laughs) And I remember coming to my wife and I had to tell her that I told, totaled the car and I was very nervous about telling her this and I told her and I see her go, turn around and go, yes. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, maybe I should, you know, adjust, uh, you know, uh, when, it's, when it's time to upgrade here. But one of the things that she and I have talked about that we really value is we really value travel. And you, so we're going to spend a little extra on that. And we've been waiting and waiting for our kids to get old enough uh, to take long car trips with us. And I don't know if they considered themselves old enough or not, but we told them this year, it's here. Like, we're, we're just going to go. So we said, we're going to go somewhere. We're going to see part of God's creation we've never seen before. And it's okay if we spend a little bit on it because, you know, th- this is a way to, to experience God's goodness. And uh, so we went up to Niagara Falls. And we drove up through Ohio into uh, New York. We went over the border into Canada. We went up to Toronto. We, we came back and it, it was just marvelous. I, I would tell you all about it, but you didn't hear, come here to see my vacation picture slideshow. Uh, I'll, I'll be around afterwards if you'd like it. But on the way home, our last night, we stopped in Cincinnati. And this is, you know, where, where you see some, some of your priorities come out. My, where, that's our last day of vacation. And my older son, he had gotten on the internet. And he's like, Dad, the Reds are playing tonight. We got to go. And I was like, son, uh, we, we didn't budget for that. Like, we, we, we planned all this stuff, but we didn't budget for an extra major league game at, at the end of the trip. I'm, I'm sorry. And he's like, but Dad, we're right here. And we talked to the others, didn't want to go. They wanted to do something else that evening. And so I'm like, okay, but we got to sit way up high in the cheap seats. So we sat like, and it's awesome. If you go to Cincinnati ballpark, sit up in the highest seats on the right field, right side baseline by first base. And you can look over into Kentucky across the river and it's just gorgeous. So we're sitting way up there and we drove to the stadium and like we could park right beside the stadium for $20. But we drove a little further and it was 15. He's like, Dad, let's park. I'm like, no, I, I understand how this works. So we drive a little farther and it's 10. And, and we went like 100 yards further. And it was $5 to park. And, and my son's like, Dad, park, $5. I'm like, no, 200 more yards, they're going to be paying us. Like, <laughs> look at how this equation's working. Um, but eventually we parked for $5. 
And we walked into the stadium. I bought like the $1 waters right outside the stadium. I wore my cargo pants. I'm like stuffing them in the, you know, the shorts. And, and, and we, we, we get in and it was just a, a gorgeous evening. And, you know, he got to do what he, get, what he wanted to do. And he kind of understood like, we're not going to go buy, you know, $25 worth of concessions until he asked me for a couple things. I'm like, I'm not sure we can quite do that. And he goes, dad, they've got ice cream in a baseball hat. And I'm like, here's my wallet. I'm like, I, I just somehow, I, you know, I don't know what it is. I just think God created us to eat ice cream out of plastic baseball hats. I just think every child, every adult should have that experience. I mean, if you ever see me at like a Tennessee Smokies game and your kids are with you, like I will buy them ice cream out of a baseball hat unless you stop me. Cause I just, that's part of my core values. Uh, you can question whether it should be, uh, but we, what I tell all that, just to say, we all have our own things that we enjoy. All of our priorities are going to be a little different when we think about what would financial freedom look like for you. But here's the most important question, even more important than that. Does your vision of financial freedom for your life match Jesus's? Because there are going to be some commonalities within us of what Jesus's vision for us would be. And as people who try to follow Jesus, that's what we should be asking ourselves on anything in life, right? How we spend our time, how we develop our relationships, what we do with our resources. Is Does my vision match Jesus's vision? And how can I discern what Jesus's vision is for me? And thankfully, God sent Jesus at a time when people had developed money to teach us and a significant amount of his Sermon on the Mount is actually about money. So I want to read to you some of those passages because I think they contain keys for us that can help us use our money with peace and with joy and gratitude for all God's done for us and not constantly walk around in this fear that somehow we won't have enough or this guilt that somehow we, we haven't done it exactly the, the right things. Let's, we're going to pick up with Matthew 6, and we're going to jump around uh, just a little bit within the 6th chapter of Matthew, which is just the core of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Uh, beginning with verse 1. Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, now let's take a break. Alms, that's a weird word. That's kind of a Bible word. Alms is when you give to the needy, okay? So like when you bring your offering at the altar, when you help with our food pantry, when you donate money uh, to our Habitat for Humanity house, that's giving alms. They also gave tithes, which was their regular gift to the synagogue. Uh, we now our gift to the church. And then they also gave thank offerings that when something good happens in their life, they just give a gift to God to help others to say thank you. We, we still do all that today. But he's talking about alms, talking about giving to the needy. This is picking up with verse two. Do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the street so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your, your alms may be done in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, Jesus goes on to let you know how important these teachings are to him. He goes on, if I was to read from verse 5, we'd read where he teaches us how to pray with the Lord's Prayer. And then after the Lord's Prayer, he goes back to money. And he says this in verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart shall also be 
No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. And I think we can find out a lot about Jesus' vision for us by looking at these verses and actually by going back through them backwards. Uh, That last verse we read, you cannot have two masters. The first thing when we look about money as something that God provides for us to recognize is that money is a mighty servant, but a monstrous master, right? Uh, it's, It's okay if you think about money a lot. In fact, if you're a banker or if you're in investments, like we want you to do that. We're, we're kind of, if you're an accountant, we kind of count on you to do that. You keep a lot of us out of jail at tax time by doing that. We appreciate that. Um, it's okay to think about it, but it can't, it, Jesus is saying it can't just be your goal. If your only goal is to, to get more, then it's actually going to ruin your life, not, not bless it, right? There has to be a higher purpose than just acquisition. And we see this so, so many times that sometimes the more you get, the more you, you want just for the sake of wanting it without the higher purpose. And that, that can have really bad consequences when, when that becomes the case. But money might be a monstrous master, but it is a mighty servant. When you actually ask, Jesus, why have you given me this? Jesus, what, do you, what are your intentions for me with this? It's amazing. It's, it's, it's absolutely amazing how it can, how it can bless your life. And so if you look at what Jesus did with money, I'm really thankful that during Jesus' life, you know, we, sometimes we judge like, oh, you know, these people earn their money. These people don't earn it as much. Or if you acquire your money this way or this way, you know, Jesus actually acquired money different ways throughout his life. Uh, For the first 30 years of his life, he was an apprentice and then trained to be a carpenter. From the type of carpentry that he did, he was basically middle class. He was not uh, on the very bottom rung of society, which was the unskilled day laborers, but neither was he in the financial elite of his day. Uh, He worked uh, a skilled job with his hands and he made money to provide for his family. And then after that, when he began his public ministry, he had not acquired enough wealth through being a carpenter to fully fund his public ministry. So what did, what did Jesus do? He had people who gave to support his ministry. And some of those people are some of my favorite people in the Bible. There's Mary Magdalene. She's the first person to witness the resurrection. She was a woman of financial means who gave to support Jesus' ministry and followed him around. There's Susanna in the New Testament, a woman of financial means uh, who gave to support Jesus' ministry. I named my daughter Susanna. My wife told me we were going to name my daughter Susanna. And I said, yes, of course we are. Um, uh, So I love Susanna in the Bible. And then uh, there's Joanna. And Joanna might be my favorite uh, example of giving generously in the New Testament. She supported Jesus' ministry with her giving. Here's the great thing. Guess who Joanna's husband was? He was one of the cabinet members for King Herod. Do you remember King Herod? King Herod's father had tried to kill Jesus when Jesus was a baby. King Herod would eventually play a role in Jesus' unfair trial and execution. Herod didn't want anything to do with Jesus. He wanted political power, and this Jesus was kind of a threat to him, more than kind of a threat, was a big threat. And I just love that Joanna's husband got their wealth directly from King Herod's palace treasury. 
and she funneled it to Jesus. So God's like, you know, Herod, you can, you can tax those people to death. You build those big palaces. I'm going to take your wealth and I'm going to fund Jesus's ministry with it. That's what I'm going to do. You can try all you want to oppose him. I'm actually going to use you to pay for him. Uh, so God's just kind of like that. You can, you can try to get away from God's plan. God's going to have uh, a workaround. Okay, so at that point in his life, Jesus is basically the leader of a nonprofit, right? Who's going around all their travel that they had to do. He didn't go to towns and say, hey, I'll do healings here if y'all will take up a love offering and provide me with a certain amount of cash. No, uh, he just went to towns and blessed people. And he did that because people who believed in what he was doing, they, they, they gave. And so we see Jesus in his life use money for two purposes. And that's really the two purposes we have. For, during the first part of his life as a carpenter, he used money to provide for his family. Now he taught you know, we, we have teachings about tithing. We assume that he also tithed to his synagogue. But, uh, and t we, we see his family give offerings to the temple treasury in Jerusalem. Uh, but primarily, he had enough to provide for his family. And that's what he did. And some of us in our lives, that's where we are financially. And, and then he got to a point where people uh, were giving him resources that he could use uh, to bless the community. And actually bless the world. And so for us, uh, those are the two purposes that God gives us resources to provide for our families, roof over our head, food on the table and, you know, fun and enjoyment because that's, you know, God, God created this life to be good. God, God, I, I think God likes vacations. I think God likes it when families do things they enjoy together and makes God smile. But then also God gives us resources to bless our community. Uh, to, to bless our church, to provide habitat houses, to provide food pantries, to provide school supplies. God, God gives us those. Those are, those are our two purposes. So then how can we make sure that we're using our money for those purposes? Well, what, what I would tell you is that the most important thing there is to make it easy to make your money serve you. If you don't make it easy for your money to serve you, and when I mean serve you, what I mean is serve the deepest desires and passions of your heart, your greatest, deepest priorities, then you may end up serving your money, right? Or you may end up allowing other people to prioritize it because you haven't intentionally looked into how this works. And, and I think there, there are two parts of this. One, and you know, you, there are different financial gurus there are even different Christian financial gurus that'll tell you this is how you need to do it. That's how you need to do it. My family and I, have, we have our plan. I'm not here to tell you exactly what your plan should be, but that you should have a plan. And uh, just simply think about if, if money is something that you worry about, if it's something that creates anxiety and stress for you, then what I would encourage you to ask yourself is how many books have you read about it? And have you found somebody that is where you want to be, where you want to be financially? And whether that's a place with a certain amount of resources or a place with a certain attitude, and probably both, a certain amount of resources and a certain attitude of joy and gratitude for what they have, find somebody like that and talk to them, 
Read books until you find out, so you learn enough about how finances work that you can have your plan for how yours can work for you. I I grew up in a a wonderful family, gave me wonderful values, didn't really teach me how money worked. It it wasn't until my 20s when I had some mentors who really came in and said, uh, hey, Will, uh, we're so thankful for how you teach about the Bible. Would you mind if we taught you a little bit about money? And it absolutely changed my life, really learning how, how finances work. So fi- find the, read, keep reading books until you find the one that makes sense to you and your priorities and that works for you. Uh, keep talking to other people until you find somebody who, who can help you and then have that plan. If you were with us a couple weeks ago, we talked about how with any problem uh, w- that we're worried about, we can remember the word pass. Purpose, act, surrender, shine. So first, when we encounter a problem, we say, God, what's your purpose for me within this? Uh, We we figured out our purpose. Our purpose is to provide for our families and to bless our communities. Then we say, okay, God, uh, how can I act? How can I make a plan? And then after that, we surrender the outcome to God. There's so much about any of our careers, any about the economy we live in that's out of our control. We can't control the ultimate outcome of all that, but we surrender it. We say, God, I've got a plan that I think is faithful to you and I'm going to surrender the outcome to you. And I trust that if you want me to adjust the plan, you'll, you'll reveal that to me. And then we shine. We don't, we don't worry. We, we don't live in constant anxiety. We, we go in joy and in peace and, and love, you know, love, love the life God's given for us. So, so make it easy for your money to serve you. Be clear about what you want it to do. And then for us, and this is probably the most practical thing I'll say today, we find that for the, the things we really want to do, that if you can, if you can automate it, it hel- it's just helps so much. It helps so much. So for us, as soon as we get a paycheck, man, the tithe to the church is out, uh, the house payment's out, uh, the, the saving for the kids' college, that comes out, the retirement's out. And then we basically know, hey, we've got this left. And we, we, we have some freedom for what we can do if there's stuff left over. And if, if there's not, we're thankful God provides. And maybe there'll be stuff left over next month. That's, that's an incredible freedom that, that comes from that. So whatever system works for you, you're all in a different place than, than, than we are. Uh, you probably have some different priorities. But fi- find what works for you. Have a plan. Work that plan. And then finally, uh, and that's how, if you look at Jesus' teachings uh, that's how we keep our treasure where our heart is, as Jesus taught us. But the last things I want to say to you today have to do with how do we keep our heart focused on Jesus, right? And what he wants for us. We, we, we're supposed to get our treasure where our heart is, but how do we keep our heart in the same place? And that's where we go back to the beginning of chapter 6, where it says, When you give to the needy, do not let your, right hand, your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Okay, what, 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 what does that mean? I have to let you know the biblical interpretation I'm about to share with you is a little bit dangerous. Here's how I know. At the nine o'clock service today, I shared it and I had one couple came out and the husband said, you know, I'd always told my wife that that, that passage meant I didn't have to tell her what I was about to spend. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid not. But if you think about the things that have brought you the most fulfillment in what you've done with your resources over your life. I imagine it's probably when you gave to something or someone and you really make a difference. 
Uh, for, for me, I, I look back and I'm so thankful that we've been uh, able to go on vacations as a family. I'm so thankful for what I've been able to provide for myself and for my family and, and what's been provided for us and all those blessings. But when I really think a, about what, what, what just brings the biggest smile to my face, it's, it, it's, it's when I gave an extravagant gift when I was able to and when I felt God was calling us to. And I think about the difference things like that make, but I don't always think clearly like that. Uh, one time, um, a little while ago, I began to violate this principle. Uh, this principle that not letting your left hand know uh, what your right hand is doing when it comes to, to being generous. And, and actually a, a better way to, or a, a way that's a little more practical to remember uh, could be uh, count the blessings of generosity, not the cost, right? Count the blessings of generosity, not the cost. And if you do that, uh, it brings that joy and that peace. But if you just count the cost, sometimes it can bring in anxiety. I, I began uh, a little while back one time to count the cost. And I was, I was in my office and I had pulled up like our online church software. And I was looking to make sure we were caught up on that everything was going right with our church giving. And I just clicked on a little part of it. And it took me to a place where I saw like our last five years worth of giving. And I saw that number. And it just so, and, and when I saw that number of what we'd given over the last five years to the church, I began to think, oh man, there's some stuff we could have done with that. And the joy began to go away and I began to think, oh, I, we could have done this and we could have done that and, and we could have done this. And what I was doing was I was violating Jesus' principle, right? Of be so thankful that you can help. And Thankfully, I had something else on my desk, which I'm imagining not all of you have. Some of you may. I had a line item church budget just on my desk. Line item church budget. Uh, Lori, our business manager, is here. She's very proud of me uh, for, for having that on, on our, my desk. But I just began to flip through it, and I began to look at the difference that that five years made. I began to look at the ministry with families in our community that that enabled. I began to look at the meals that those resources would have been able to provide. I began to look at how it could create spaces within our church that would make people feel welcome and find a home and develop friendships and support their faith. And all that other stuff that I thought, oh, we could have done that with that. Oh, it didn't mean anything anymore. Like I was just so thankful. I was just so great. And it went from, oh, Oh, we did that sacrificially to, oh, we got to do that. Oh, I'm so thankful we got to do that. When you feel God leading you to be generous, don't count what else it could have done. Just give thanks that God gave you that opportunity at generosity. And so many times when people have done that, it makes such a big difference. You hear me talk today about Habitat for Humanity. You know why we're able, we build one Habitat house a year. We've done so for over 20 years now. And we do so because we've got a lot of United Methodist men who work real hard to organize it, who raise money in a, in a golf turn, tournament. But that golf tournament doesn't fund the whole of it. Uh, about half of all the funds needed from that come because somebody during the later years of their life said, you know, I want to make an estate gift. And they created an endowment. And because of that endowment uh, that they created, you know, 20-some families in houses like amazing, amazing. Can you imagine the legacy? Can you imagine how it would feel to know, hey, we, we were a part of something like that. We're part of something that, that did that. You, you know, when you really get uh, to that cheerful giving, cheerful generosity, 
it's the blessing of we get to do this, not we have to do this. We had an experience like that this week at uh, Rock the Block. Uh, Rock the Block was kind of a chance for us as a church to, to be generous to our community because we talked and talked and we said, what keeps people from coming? And we said, you know, if, if we want to do something really nice for families, we want to do something where people can, can just relax and we don't want them coming and having to say, how much does it cost to get in and how much does food cost and this and that. So we said, we're just going to, we're just going to do this for our community. We're just going to be generous and say, hey, you got hundreds of people here who want to be your friend and just want you to have a relaxed good time tonight and so food's going to be free and everything's going to be for rides and everything it's just here for you and it was amazing because we actually had not budgeted for that but when we sat down we found out that if we all worked together like there were more than enough resources to find ways to, to provide that and then I don't know how many of you read Pastor Larry's email on Friday, but he shared this story and I want, I want to share it with you. There, there are a lot of families who came up to us and thanked us, a lot of new faces, a lot of people very proud. Uh, but maybe one of the ones that, that meant the most was a family we didn't know. And uh, a mother came up to us and she said, it's been a very hard start to the school year. I'm going through a divorce. Uh, we're, my little girl's just getting used to not having dad in the home. And she, she said, that's her. And we saw this just gorgeous little girl just smile from ear to ear, running around. And she says, it's the first time I've seen her smile in a long time. First time. And, and we, we thought to ourselves, you know, if those were the only people who came, it was worth it, right? It, 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 it was worth it. And I think when we get to that point where we are really applying Jesus' principle of uh, don't count the cost, count the blessing of being able to to bless others. And that, that's, that, that's going, again, we're, we're going to, that's going to look different for, for different ones of us. Uh, but that, that's where that joy comes in. That, that's where we find ourselves saying, Jesus, I'm just so thankful that I get to do this. Because uh, I, I, I want to tell you something, when, when it comes to resources, sometimes we get caught up in how much somebody has and how much we have. And that's one of the deadly places to stay uh, when, when we live like that. In fact, they can actually guess people's happiness uh, to some extent by how they stack up against their neighbors in that regard. Isn't that kind of sad? But um, I want to let you know that here in the Christian faith, we believe very differently about that than most of the uh, world. We actually believe we're all the same. I believe each one of us has the same net worth. I believe it has a lot of zeros in it. You're probably happy to hear that. Um, you may not be happy to, to hear uh, this. I believe it only has zeros in it. I think my net worth is zero. I think everything I have was given by God. And I think it was given by God for a purpose to bless others. And I think every day of my life, what God wants is gratitude. And what God wants is for me to simply ask, God, how can I use what I've been given to show how good you are? That's what we believe as Christians. And it's not easy to live out. But when we even begin to, it's a blessing beyond uh, what most people in this world will ever experience. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we give you thanks. Thanks that you provide for us. Thanks that you desire for us to use what we have to bless our families and to bless others. Show us how we can do this, Lord. Lord, today, if, if there are people here who are in a financial situation that seems to be strangling the joy 
out of life. I ask, Lord, that you would just release them from any guilt they might feel about that situation and that you would begin to show them the next steps they can take uh, to move towards the joy and the peace that, that you desire for them, uh, move towards the ability to use their resources to provide uh, for themselves and for others. Uh, God, today, if, if there are those who are asking, uh, Lord, how can I use what I have to bless someone else? Uh, I pray that, that you would give them a vision. Uh, Lord, if, if there are those today uh, who are praying before you uh, that, and confessing to you, Uh, that for too long money has been a master in their lives, I pray that you would show them how it can be a servant uh, because uh, we want to use it as a servant uh, for you uh, because we find our life when we become your servants. And we are thankful because we've never seen anything as beautiful, anything as good, anyone as loving as you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.